Bless you, my dear listeners. I appreciate you tuning in to another segment of 42 Weeks. It's my prayer that your day has been triumphantly blessed. Are you ready to unpack a few texts with me? <laughs> Let's get it in. We have quite a bit. We're going to start with John chapter 12, verse 6. I'm reading from the ERV translation. That's the easy read version. Here we go. Judas Iscariot, one of the followers, was there, the one who would later hand Jesus over to his enemies. Judas said that perfume was worth a full year's pay. It should have been given to the poor people. But Judas did not care about the poor. He said this because he was a thief. He was the one who kept the money bag for the group of followers, and he often stole money from the bag. Now, here's a quick sidebar. There are theologians who believe and have said as much that the field in which Judas took his life was purchased with money he had stolen. Now, let's go over to Matthew chapter 26, verse 14, reading from the same translation. Then one of the twelve followers went to talk to the leading priest. This was the follower named Judas Iscariot. He said, I will hand Jesus over to you. What will you pay me for doing this? Now, you see that right there? That's conspired bribery. Let me jump right back in. The priest gave him 30 silver coins. After that, Judas waited for the best time to hand Jesus over to them. And then Matthew chapter 27, verses 3 through 5, again, reading from the same translation, Judas saw that they had decided to kill Jesus. He was the one who had handed him over. When he saw what happened, he was sorry for what he had done. So he took the 30 silver coins back to the priest and the older leaders. Judas said, I sinned. I handed over to you an innocent man to be killed. The Jewish leaders answered, we don't care. That's a problem for you, not us. So Judas threw the money into the temple. Then he went out from there and hanged himself. Judas, <laughs> yikes. Have you given any thought to that name? Thief, betrayer, traitor, conniver trickster, manipulator, a sellout, downright ugly, and covert. Or so he thought. Jesus already knew what he was up to. But he was one of the boys, right? Walked with our Savior, witnessed parties where the wine had run out and was miraculously replaced, had picnics where fish sandwiches were shared and doggy bags were taken home, watched folks who had been sick for years, some since birth, lame, blind. They had all been healed and he had seen it. I mean, he had to have stood in awe when Lazarus came out of his chilly grave four days later. Really, Judas? And yet, he was the CFO of Jesus's posse. That's why six days before Passover at a dinner given in Jesus's honor at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, it was Judas who would speak up like the greedy man he was and say, this is Tori's version, just what do you think you're doing? Pouring that perfume all over Jesus. Shame on you. That's money you could feed a lot of people with. How can you be so wasteful? And of course, we know Jesus shut him up right quick. She's preparing my body for burial, Judas. Leave her alone. I wonder if Jesus thought, you know my burial, dude? Of course you do, since you're a direct influence over my arrest and death. And yet... Judas gets a pass. He gets to continue hanging out with the fellas. Judas, that name, 
Do you know that nobody in the history since his death has been named after him? Nobody. Atheists, people who won't even acknowledge that there is only one true God. They say God doesn't exist. They won't even name their children Judas because they know what that name represents. Dwayne Woods, the anointed, masterful, powerful, dulcet cantor, the POW. Now, wait, let me clarify. That's not prisoner of war. That's pastor of worship at the Bayview Baptist Church in San Diego, California, sings a song every first Sunday of each month called The Blood. Here are some of the heart-moving, passionate words. The blood of Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. And the hook goes, it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. Why didn't Judas recognize this blood? Why didn't he see it right in front of him? Or did he truly conceptualize it too late? Now, yesterday was Good Friday, and many Christ followers believe that this is the day Jesus went to the cross. I'm not here to argue or refute anyone's beliefs. Other theologians offer another viewpoint. My father would celebrate what he termed as real-time resurrection and would have our church family gather on Thursday evening in keeping with the scripture that states, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so must the Son of God be in the grave three days and three nights. Friday night and Saturday night from a simple mathematical viewpoint doesn't provide three nights. But here's what we all can agree to and attest to. Christ did die. He was placed in the tomb and in three days. One, two, three. Wait, we'll get there tomorrow. (laughs) He rose again. (laughs) I jumped the gun, but we will get there tomorrow. What I'm attempting to do is provide just a narrative of the events that took place from the timeline of the episodes that I presented on Thursday and Friday. So the Last Supper has already been completed. Judas's infamous kiss exchange at the Garden of Gethsemane has already taken place. Peter has already taken a swift swing at Malchus's ear. My father used to say, and he wasn't aiming for his ear. It was dark in that garden. <laughs> but he's cussed and denied and cried about what Jesus told him he would do under pressure. Pilate, Annas, and Caiaphas, their sleep have already been disturbed As Jesus quietly but authoritatively speaks the truth to the point that Caiaphas, remember Caiaphas? He becomes real angry. He turns into a mini hulk and starts tearing his clothes. That's already happened. And here's Judas lurking about, finally convicted and convinced that he has done the wrong thing. Jesus has been condemned to death and he finally gets it. But instead of waiting, Dealing with his betrayal, he dismisses himself from his actions, both mentally and physically. He takes the money that he was paid back to the payers and runs off to kill himself. Death by hanging in a potter's field that no one is buried in to this day. And why? Why did he do that? Have you ever wondered that? Why did he do that? Why did he think he had to end his life? Did he feel that there was no hope? Did he feel shame? Did he feel that Christ couldn't and wouldn't forgive him? Peter felt all of that too. 
and didn't know if Christ would forgive him, let alone rise again. All those guys were looking right at Jesus, hearing but not necessarily listening to his words. He said he'd indeed die a cruel death, but he also said he would assuredly rise again. But where were they? All shut up in a room, doubting and despairing from the recent crucifixion events. However, the difference between Peter and Judas, watch that, was Peter waited anyway. And that's why in Mark's account, the young man wearing a white robe, sitting at the right side of the tomb, told the women, here comes Tori again. Here's my version. Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for that man named Jesus. He was killed the other day, but he's not here. He's risen like he told you he was going to do. Now go tell the fellas that Jesus is alive. He'll be in Galilee and tell my man Pete, Jesus needs to see him too. Jesus will, capital W, capital I, capital L, capital L, he will forgive. Can't you hear him at Golgotha, the very place of death, so exhausted that Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels Record that Simon of Serene had to carry his crossbeam the rest of the way. Yes, it was just the horizontal portion of the cross. The vertical part was already there. And a sidebar right here again. It wasn't way up in the air like most pictures portray. Just a few feet off the ground, high enough that the Roman soldiers could hasten death by breaking the legs of the guilty. Now remember, the Sabbath is approaching. We can't have dying people lingering this close to a celebratory tradition. But even then, in that moment, nailed to a cross, standing in the stead of a known notorious rebel Barabbas. And listen, can I just say crucifixion was devastatingly violent. Now remember, Christ has been flogged, his beard has been pulled out of his face, he's been bruised, and now he's suffocating. Suffocating bodies that were battered and they were naked. There was no pieces of cloth on those bodies. It was the most abhorrent, abominable, appalling method of, cru- of crucifixion or of execution, excuse me. Bile, feces, vomit, urine everywhere. His clothes being gambled away. Even then, he was still forgiving people. Check out the thief on the cross asking Jesus to remember him. A symbolism of asking for forgiveness. He tells the other dude, shut up. We should be here. He should not. He's innocent. And what did Jesus say to him? Here comes Tori again. Dude, you're going to be in paradise with me today. Don't you worry. The Roman soldiers, there was Jesus. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Christ was dying and taking the time to forgive others. Wouldn't he have done the same thing for Judas? I believe unequivocally, yes, yes, and more, yes. But Judas, guilt-ridden, really didn't know who Jesus was, did he? Spent all that time with him and didn't know him. He could have been forgiven and restored back to fellowship, but chose what he thought was the easy way out. Listen, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And I know there are people all over this world who suffer, who grapple with the idea of taking their own lives. Mental health issues are at an all-time high in these unparalleled times. But please, my dear brother, my dear sister, don't suffer alone. Call out to Jesus. He loves you. He cares for you. And 
He wants to save you from yourself. Ask him to do that. Ask him to help you and guide you in the right direction toward hope and healing. There is always, always restoration. Let's get to the, th- to the throne room. Excuse me. Eternal God, the creator of all things, the giver of every good and perfect gift. How we thank you for another day that we can experience your love. You died an excruciating death so that we might live with you forever and ever. Thank you that nothing else is necessary. Your shed blood did it all on Calvary. Thank you for these listeners. Thank you for their families. Touch those who need you right now for salvation, for healing, for hope, whatever it is they need, touch them right now. Thank you that we don't have to be afraid that we've sinned too much or become frightened that you won't forgive us. That's Satan's attacks. That's what he does to make us continually feel shameful. Give us freedom, God. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Help us to become pregnant in your word and know that we can boldly come to you. Say we're sorry. You will hear us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's just that simple. Thank you, Holy God, for your promise that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. It's in the salvific name of Jesus. I do gratefully pray with joy and thanksgiving, knowing assuredly that we've been forgiven. Amen and amen. Now, that's not how this story ends. In three days, Christ rose again. Join me tomorrow as we get to the tomb. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.